Echo. 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 I guess it's true what they say. You really never can return home. Bowser wait, 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 waited all that time for that? Well, normally you come out the gate like, ah, oh, <laughs> no. Normally uh, you come into the session screaming bloody murder, and then I have to recoil from the phone for a few seconds. I, ha I haven't done that in a while, and you don't mm. recoil from the phone; you just move around. And you're like, "Oh, look at I've got to do stuff around." And now you've, if you if you go back and listen to the episodes, which I implore a listener, you do. Um, I'm Pete. This is Josh. Echo boys. Echo, echo. Um. <laughs> Josh, you, you've been coming out with the heat for the majority of the last, I would say, all Echo Boy episodes. That's an interesting opinion. Uh, shoot a, feel free to shoot us an email, um, podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Listeners, if you agree with that. And feel free to please stop sending us emails about Pete's just giant blunder. Yes, it was his week to edit last week. Yes, he did not put a hyphen in between War Mantle, even though that's what the episode is called, War Hyphen Mantle. Uh, yes, that was a very boneheaded move, kind of a very um, nerf herdery, move milkery kind of thing to do. I'm pretty sure we even talked about how there was a hyphen, just like there's a hyphen in Spider-Man in the episode, and still he belligerently just put War Space Mantle and published you're, that for the you're world. You're equating Spider-Man to War Mantle? So, they both have a hyphen in the middle, Pete. Spider-Man, War-Mantle. Uh, so, we, we have heard you. Um, Pete will, I'm sure, rectify it. I know he's been... Um, Spending a lot of time with his his friends and family and faith leaders to kind of figure out his his next steps forward after just whiffing so hard on account of all of us here at Bobo's LC and all of our employees and all of our subsidiaries and all of our sponsors. And we 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 get it though. You can stop sending the emails about it. It's been addressed. We know that Pete did that. And hopefully by the time you're hearing this, it will have been fixed. Well, here's the other thing, too. And, Josh, thank you for highlighting this. Um, I won't apologize for it. And that is because, listen, listeners, you all think that we're these, like, deities. And in a large extent, we probably are. You know, we have all this Star Wars knowledge. We have all these muscles. We have all these different projects we're, we're doing. We're so, so swole. And um, I gotta, I gotta let you know. Sometimes we do make mistakes, and we are not consistent people. Sometimes we're inconsistent with stuff. In fact, it's funny that you bring that up, Josh, because I have sent multiple texts and um, texts out today, making fun of somebody else for their grammar. Um, I've just been making fun of this tweet that had um, some grammatical mistakes in it, and. You know, I also I've been, have of course, those being punctuation and not grammar, but it's fine. And I have, you know, those mistakes as well. So, you know, it is what it is. And egg on your face. If you no, um, egg on your face. It's definitely not egg on my face. Shameful. Um, because bad. that would be food shaming bad me, boy. and you don't do that. Um, we don't do that, and also. Maybe I hear the blues like we don't toss salad and scrambled egg on your face. All right. Um, I'm really glad you don't listen to this because I'm just cringing right now, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So do you have anything else with that little, little um, tirade you made about hyphens? No, I, uh, you know, no. Okay. I assume well, you're going to go in and fix it. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've I I don't know if I've told you this, Josh, but I have nothing but time on my hands. So oh, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it would um, I I have literally no excuses not to fix it. Um, but yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't I didn't see the email because um, it doesn't exist, and <laughs> you're, you're using busy the platform. Burying your head in the sand. All right, let's not um, sand shame. Um, now, with that being the case, I'm just um, like after this dude's got his head in the sand for so long. Like this dude over here has got his head in the sand for so long. Like days come and go, right? He's has had his head in the sand this long, and then he pulls his head out of the sand, and I'm like, dude, how you still have egg on your face? Crazy. Well. I actually, and I don't want to... You'd think it would come off from the I, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but um, some people, and this is just... Um, we, we promote mental health here at Po Boys LLC, Echo Boys LLC, uh, a Po Boys production. One of our um, and we promote mental health. I mean, it's been a big thing in the Olympics. It's been a big thing that's getting a lot of um, stuff out there. And um, we are we are, that's getting a lot of stuff out there and we're no different with that. And, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, there's people and we've talked about on the pod specifically episode 70. So t- take a look at that. Um, listeners, if you'd like, we talk about when you're frustrated, you scream into a pillow. Um, for me, I would tear the pillow apart because I'm so, so strong. And um, now Josh thinks it was egg on my face. That was the reason my head was in the sand. But it's actually because um, Star Wars High Republic, the rising storm has now been out for over a month. And we are coming dangerously close to covering this with the end of this um, Bad Batch season one. And Josh has still not touched it. Um, I mean, how long reading... has it been taking me to read that book? Well, not very it's... long. It's very good. It's very frustrating because it's a very good book. There's a lot of characters and it's just a, it's a part of me that I can't really share because I want the listeners to get those hot, hot takes and, you know, just my loyalty to the, to the pod. So um, well, we both for me, for me, out, for me, what I do record the episode. We, no, the we could have recorded an episode just there. We could have we could have just recorded the like, episode as soon as I'm you finished it. Extra episode. You think I'm going to record more than one episode a week when I don't have to we right have, now? Are we have done that. We, we've done Are we've done that multiple times. We've done that multiple sink. times. Yeah, that old, All right, that so old, that's that's that why that's why I was that's why I was screaming. No, I was putting the head in the egg on I, your face. No, I you didn't have the egg on my face. Listen, I I honestly I am I am losing my mind a little bit because sand does get everywhere, um, and I hate it. But it's literally because. I just keep destroying all these pillows because Josh, all right, this mm-hmm. book by Kevin Scott, who is a fine Star Wars writer, it was released on June 29th. We, we're going to talk about it. We're High Republic. Uh, we, we, we have Repo Boy, which is something right. that you, you, you shout like a banshee from mm-hmm. the rooftops about it. Um, right, and yet, when it's time. And Oh, my gosh. When it's time. It's it's it really, um, you know what I'm I'm not ready right now to share my truth. Uh, I still have to do a few more sessions before we can talk about it. And this is of um, course a famously safe for work podcast, but not safe for um, the person themselves um, as they're being um, lacerated and just dragged out um, this episode. Well, look, but, I wanted to give you a warning before we even start recording. No, you didn't. And, and listeners, longtime listeners of the show, and Pete and Pete's mom, and all the listeners of the show that listen regularly will know exactly what I mean when I say this. If you're a new listener, I might be lost on you, but Pete, I am wearing my Slipknot hat today. So, you know, I don't know what you expected. And Slipknot for listener, um, my mom. Um, we have some international listeners, or used to. I don't know. Um, That's okay. Slip- they're an international one. Slipknot is so. Think um, wherever you are in the world. Okay, you go out. It's nighttime, and you have this calling to you. How the 
else about and not Star Wars? They'd be perfect. Stop, 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 stop. Look at them. So, you, so it's darkness out, and you have this calling to you. And you think to yourself, what's that screeching, very unpleasant sound that's that's calling out to me? And then, lo and behold, there has been an accident. There is gore. There is just the anguish of man that is being shouted into the anguish darkness. Of people. And that 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 listeners, I would imagine I've never heard of Slipknot. Um, is Slipknot? You're in, out of your, you've heard in, of Slipknot. You know who Slipknot is. Name seven Slipknot songs. Name seven. Yeah, All go right. ahead. There's duality. There's the heretic no. anthem. There's nope. sick. There's nope. Uh, before I forget, there's Vermillion, there's Vermillion Part 2, there's The Nameless, The Blister Exists, 3 Nil, Unsainted, <laughs> Nero Forte, so... Birth of the Cruel. All of these Soul titles Lifer, are proving my point of my example my plague, about going out to the darkness and seeing a crash. Out, <laughs> scissors, Liberate, Left Behind. Oh man, oh, that's God. hilarious. One that I can't say because we're safe for work, Podcast. Another one that I can't say. Wait, would you recommend our listeners catch Iowa. catch this band? Hmm? I mean, is, is it a safe for work band? Uh, not their first. Okay. Um, I apologize right, to well, our listeners. I somehow got a phone call while recording. I didn't think that would happen, and my ringer went off right in my ear. So I didn't hear it, uh, and that's that's I could po- need more that's not songs if I needed to though. That's high quality podcasting. Look, earlier this year, my whole thing was put the devil in Star Wars, make the devil canon. Now I'm just trying to say, put Slipknot in Star Wars. They're already, they look perfect. Put the devil in, or Slipknot, put them all. Slipknot should be in Star Wars. They should be in the background of the canteen. They should be paying their little crazy music. Come on, Disney. In a, in a canteen? Have you ever been to a, a heavy metal cantina? No. A heavy metal bar? In my city. Oh really? Um, yeah. I actually um, I went to he- there's a heavy there's this famous um, street in Austin, Texas, where it just bars after bars after bars, and um, this is must be seven seven eight years ago now at this point. Um, I took some of my students, um, college college students, um, to this bar to get food, and the experience of being at this heavy metal bar was so jarring to one of them that they held this massive vendetta against me for like two months of having to go through that experience of going to get like a burger at a heavy metal bar. Um, it's not a pleasant experience, but you know, listener, listener, um, people have Star Wars is for everybody. All right. That's what people say. Slipknot and they're maggots. If there is Star Wars out there for, um oh my gosh what was wasn't it wasn't there star wars for like creepy like pervert in resistance what was that storyline oh um, god the I fr- great blue creep the great blue creep yeah horrible little <laughs> creepy little blue thing um so if there's a character out there for like the creeps in the world there should be a character for the um fans for the maggots, of the fans for the maggots that's what they call them yeah and honestly infested would have probably been a perfect time to to include um oh, some perfect. stuff for those for those maggots out there yeah. also i would i would assume too um that there's probably a venn diagram of star wars fans and maggots and maggot fans i'm gonna i'm gonna stop using this word um <laughs> uh, slipknot fans that have star wars tattoos because yeah. those people are those people are tatted up. I mean, Josh, you aren't tatted up that no, I know of. That you know um, of, correct. That I that I know of. That but you know of, correct. Heavy metal people are hit them with the generalization. Let's hear it. Well, it's not a generalization because I did famously go to a heavy metal concert and I was the only person wearing Patagonia. It wasn't a, wasn't a heavy metal concert. Okay, I mean, I have to tell you. Let's throw it in the poll. Maybe is well, is ACDC actually, a heavy metal concert? When did you go see ACDC? 
Uh, that wasn't the band. I just remember aye, aye, aye. they they yelled a lot and they did actually, this thing with their hair. You actually, you technically the opener was, yeah. Every time I die counts, so that that counts. But uh, another, another band, great name. It wasn't at a club. I don't know. Nor would I ever playing maybe a different album. But that album isn't like particularly. I mean, maybe prog metal. It's me- it was a metal enough show. Not that I would. Just in a COVID environment. Um, and also a safety measure, too, for going in a mosh pit. Because um, when somebody would try and, you know, push me, there would be there would be no, like, they would fall to the ground because I am so, so swole. So it just wouldn't be fun. It would be like them pushing a wall, which I just, I, I want everybody to have a good time regardless of whatever event I'm in. Um, so that's kind of why, you know, first is the COVID reasons. Obviously you shouldn't do mosh pits right now with all of that. Um, and then secondarily, um, you know, there's just, there, people are in, uh, different shapes and sizes and I just happen to be bigger and more muscular and with more chiseled muscles than mm-hmm. your, your, your average or even above average person. Sure. And then of course, tertiarily, you're afraid, um, because of COVID, because it's irresponsible right. to do a mosh pit in a pandemic. But that's just right. me, you know, um, to our anti-vaxxers out there. Why are you listening to this podcast? Um, All, this so... is... <laughs> <laughs> All this is to say, um, Pete left a hyphen out of the episode title last week. Um, so I have one thing I want to talk about, and then we can we get actually, into this episode. Yeah, we actually do have some stuff to, to talk about um but yeah go go ahead okay so you watched the episode presumably on friday like i did we're recording this a few days after the episode released but you watched it the day after, right yes yeah friday morning so as you can see my username is the title of the episode so the episode is actually it was a weird thing oh we're we talking the- about this <laughs> well so i i the reason i wanted to talk about it did they change it Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the title. Um, oh. It's my it's my screen name right th- right right now um, in the recording. So the episode is titled "Return to Camino." Right. Um, but it was finale part one, which I knew you were going to be in- insanely mad about because nobody ever says it in the title. Um, in that episode, like, oh, right. this is the this is part one of the finale. <laughs> the, um, the goofiest part for, on my end, I guess. Just. I know I'm a goober when I'm being a goober and I'm sitting here looking at this finale title and I'm like, Oh wow. What an interesting move because obviously they're not going to call every season finale finale. So there must be some reason that they're specifically calling this one finale. And wow, isn't that like subversive? And I wonder what the thought process is. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then episode comes out. It's called return to Camino. I think they just didn't want to spoil it. Right. Like I remember so, you know, vividly, of when we found out that there are gonna be two Ryloth episodes, mm-hmm. so I I was really bummed out. I'm like, oh Ryloth. Um, l- listen to episode 83 of this podcast. Um, if if you if you want to, listeners, I go do a deep dive on how much I hate Ryloth and why you should too. That's episode three of Poe Boys. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I think it's probably that is they just kind of wanted to save that because it's a big moment. It's a huge, huge moment in Star Wars and one of the biggest imprints that this show has done on the larger narrative of Star Wars. So I think well, it's largely that. It's also as of that morning when the episode first went up on Disney Plus, they had yet to announce, which we have yet to talk about, that Bad Batch has officially been renewed for a second season. Oh, let's so go. Perhaps after they renewed it for a second season, it was like, just kidding. It's not only going to be one season, as if anyone thought that. Um, then they the only, changed it. The, literally, the only thing I've seen that people talk about Bad Batch is um, there's some people that really want to highlight Jennifer Corbett, who is the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're taking it from a perspective of they and and I and I don't remember the tweets. I've seen like a few of these. One of them like had 700 likes, which is crazy of like stop throwing praise at Dave Filoni 
for work that Jennifer Corbett has done as if like the two of them are trading off and Dave Filoni mm -hmm. is getting all of the credits. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a really big deal for um, that whole writing crew. And you know, that this is Jennifer Corbett has just been a person that's um, been on my radar in the last few months. And I, do you know if she got renewed as the showrunner or it's just it got renewed for a second season? I just saw that it got renewed for a second season. I would be pretty surprised if she didn't continue to be involved with it, though, considering the success yeah. it's had. I mean, unless she wanted to opt out. Um. um yeah, definitely true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it just just talks about the animated universe continuing to expand. Uh, second season of this fan favorite animated series. Dave Filoni said the entire Lucasfilm animation team and I would like to thank Disney Plus and our fans for the opportunity to continue telling the story of the Bad Batch. Oh my gosh, he is taking all the credit. They have a point. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. He said, I don't, he, said I mean... he said myself and the whole Lucasfilm team? Yeah, oh my he? What is what is what is the deal with this dude? Oh my I mean, goodness. It, is is he becoming the Jeff Bezos of Star Wars and Lucasfilm? I know. <laughs> um, here's the funny thing. I was just thinking about this earlier today, as we were, you know, talking logistics about recording this pod. I remember when they announced this, like Bad Batch was coming out, and how lukewarm to neutral I was on the show. Same. I mean, up to the day the show freaking came out. I mean, it yeah. was like cool it's a new star wars but i never yeah, I was, imagined how passionate i am about this show i i was really bummed too because it was like seriously we're not gonna do luke jedi academy yeah. <laughs> um we're not doing anything post episode seven or leading up to episode seven um we're I would not even doing do han and lando go to muscle beach <laughs> or even or even if they if they're not gonna do the lando show because you know billy d is pretty old Doing the um, spinoff of of them, of him trying to find his um his like help and I guess find like that's his daughter, right? At the end of episode nine. Ugh, who knows? Um, I actually, and that's I, not a comment on it. That just that's just my frustration with the things in in uh, Rise of Skywalker. That's like, oh no, this is canon. But then it, put it in the movie, right? Like I don't know. I, my understanding is we're supposed to we're it is his daughter, but like they just freaking put that in the movie. I don't know. Um, I actually and I was gonna use this as an opening at some point. I watched the last forty minutes of episode nine. Um, for some unknown reason, I just yeah. I I loved it so much, and I just had like oh, wow. uh, I just like I had to I had to watch the like. You know, you're not alone. Part and the Ben and Ray versus um, whatever, whatever narrative of the week they have about that being Palpatine or not Palpatine. Oh man! Um, oh man! When you tell me something like that, just to I guess contextualize it for you, I get. Well, I don't know what you like. It's just it sounds. It's like somebody saying, "Oh yeah, it's Fourth of July," so I. I watched Jaws, but I just watched the first hour. And then I turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Except, except the first part of Rise of Skywalker is not as good as the second part of Jaws. And also as a grown man, I now appreciate the, all of Jaws to include the boring parts in the beginning. But um, I, because I, I, listeners might remember there was a time there where I watched Rise of Skywalker once a week. Uh, to see if I grew to like it. And, and every time, no matter how positive my feelings about certain things would become, every time those last 40 minutes would just totally lose me. So, but I mean, that also just speaks to, you know, Star Wars fans are not a monolith. And there's, there's stuff in these movies for everybody. Well, and also, and I talked about three five of, of Poe Boys. Um, check it out if you want to. Um, you know, if, if you want to do, do a deep dive. It might be behind the um, paywall, but... <laughs> I'm not. I'm not getting that money. Might be buying the paywall. <laughs> um, I also consume media like I. I've never met another person um, that consumes media like me because I. I pick and choose stuff. So like when I watch episode six, I skip all of the Jabba's palace stuff. Um, the Rancor stuff just disgusts me. So 
I just move on to the parts of episode six that I like. Um, and that's something unique to me. Yeah, um, your little baby chicken. And little baby chicken. Yeah, too okay. afraid, too scared. Too a, a scared. Too scared of the okay. rancor. Too scared, John. So, do you want to? I had I had one thing to talk about, but it was going to take a little bit longer. So, do you want to get I into that episode? Something to talk about that's going to take a little longer. What do you have to take talk about? No, it's it's literally it's it's a good conversation. It would be highlighting and bringing some of our personal lives and narrative into the podcast. No, let's not do that. So, yeah. and I, I hesitate to, quite frankly, I don't know, probably should have addressed it up front, but I did want to make a point of addressing it in this episode since this is um, a recent development. But um, genuinely this time, listeners of the show might have heard me on several occasions talking about the making of Star Wars books that go along with the original Star Wars trilogy that were written by J.W. Rinsler. Um, and they're specifically like the Empire Strikes Back one is probably as like a kid who watched making of bonus features growing up, you know, my whole life is probably the best behind the scenes content for a movie that I've ever encountered. And it's fascinating. And it's so well researched and there's just a wealth of interviews and stuff. And unfortunately, J.W. Rensler, who wrote those books, passed away uh, the end of last month um, from pancreatic cancer. And so I just wanted to highlight that because you know, we talk about Star Wars and, and fandom coming from all different kinds of, of avenues and different people liking different things. And a huge part of my Star Wars fandom is like a team of people getting together to make these movies. And Rensler's work really, really told an expert narrative of, of how that happened and really deepened my appreciation for something that as someone who has a bad podcast about it, you'd think I couldn't appreciate it anymore. But his, his work was is incredible his research and all that i mean it's it's staggering reading those books like how into the weeds and yet how fascinating uh he can get with the making of those movies and i know i recently read his making of alien book equally fascinating at some point in the future i'll read his one on the making of aliens and he did one on indiana jones as well and so for any of our fans who are also very into behind the scenes and the making of I mean, I, I've never encountered a better piece of behind-the-scenes content than those books. Um, and so, you know, that's uh, that's that's very sad and it's very unfortunate. And, but what a what a bibliography that he leaves behind. And so, big hole in the uh, Star Wars community with his passing. But yeah, his work's still out there. His books are still out there. Can't recommend them enough. Um, and I, I know that you typically don't do this, Josh, but if you want to, you can throw a link to his work in the show notes. Um, yeah, if you, yeah. Um, it's just definitely cool too. Like I, you know, Josh and I, you, you and I have diff different approaches to how we take fandom and star Wars and stuff. And the making of, um, is not something that super interests me. Um, I, actively dislike disney gallery more for the johnny f love <laughs> fest than the actual you know mechanics and stuff like that but just just the how extensive that bibliography is right like of making such a footnote that like when people make those things like that it sounds like that that guy's the gold standard for oh truly like, for what you kind of put that stuff together which is really cool you know like star wars has so many niche kind of things and um there's so many like I am. I'm currently watching. Um, I, I got my father master class, and it was like buy one get one free. So I'm. I'm currently watching this. Why do you um, want him you like that? I'm currently watching this um, filmmaking, um, like how to do filmmaking. Even though I have zero interest in it, by Werner Herzog. Um, oh, excellent! <laughs> yeah, it is. I have no interest in it, but like the stories, him. Um, the time Klaus Kinsey tried to have him killed. Um, also, the time where the Peruvian military so said, listen, there's a civil war happening. You can't film without a permit. And then he faked a permit and gave it to this colonel. Um, I mean, just some fantastic, fantastic stories. But he also talks about how there's these cultural moments that um, inspire people and how um, the current generation of filmmakers and he, you know, uh, drags them for this. 
um, but their their um, inspiration point is Star Wars for like all these current modern filmmakers. They love Star Wars so much that they got into filmmaking, and he makes a point of that in the master class. And I feel like the same thing can be said for other facets of storytelling with with the guy that you're talking about um, of knowing the background and just being an odd wanting to say, I can make a career out of that. And I'm sure there are tons of people out there that have saw, seen that. And maybe they get into set design. Maybe they get into cinematography. Maybe they get into prop design or what have you due to the making of stuff that he did. So yeah, it's really absolutely. cool. It's, I mean, it's, it's rare for people to have a legacy like that for sure. And that's that's pretty cool. I'm really curious. Um, I mean, Star Wars fans are great. Some of them are really toxic, but like, I, I am. It'll be really nice what they do at Celebration for him. I'm sure yeah. that there'll be there'll be something. I'd be I'd be shocked. If they, yeah, if there really wasn't. there really ought to be because I mean, like you said, so so much of Star Wars is yeah the the inspiration of you know anything from set design to costumes to special effects, and yeah, he he is really expertly chronicled all of that and it i mean it, it definitely kind of fundamentally changed my perspective on on those movies and i mean maybe maybe made me slightly more of a snob against the disney era because he does chronicle such a spirit of innovation and forward thinking particularly with those original um star wars movies that but i mean for all i know that's still there today i just haven't read a giant book about it but yeah it's yeah very very uh good books strongly recommend them and so i definitely wanted to to tip my hat to him and, and make sure everybody knew that he ruled um and so that is that is what i've got before we get into this episode yeah and um yeah we can just get into this episode so this is our second to last episode um it is um, season one, episode 15 titled finale when you first started it. But now <laughs> um, since then, because I was just watching it um, a little bit before we recorded today, um, return to Camino is the title of this episode. And, and they boy, do return to Camino. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, so it is, it is really interesting. Just the, the strength of the written word, because for me, I don't care. Um, so, finale part one or return to Camino, that was completely fine but for for you josh you were probably raging like they're not gonna even say finale part one in the episode that's this doesn't make any sense <laughs> um but fortunately they kind of took that note and saw that red red rage mm -hmm. um like a tomato and they changed it to return return to Camino. um there are there's not a lot of like different unique points that I want to touch on because this, ep this episode moves. It, it moves does. very, it moves very, very quickly. Um, there is like basically Hunter and crosshairs interactions to get to the climax. Mm -hmm. And then there's the batch and what the process they do to get to the climax. Yeah. Um, I feel like there isn't a whole lot to talk about with crosshairs. Oh, I think we'll find it. Okay. Oh, I think there's um, a lot to talk about with Crosshairs. What Crosshairs and Hunter in the in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, and then going both in the beginning and then later when they're meeting up in their fun um, giant table tennis room. I think like you, this episode and and Crosshair and Hunter's discussions really kind of bring home like Crosshairs is very sad about this. Like he's he like they hurt his feelings. He's very upset, like they abandoned him. He feels abandoned, you know. And it, um, you only you only previously kind of see his like cool simmering rage and lethality, but I feel like in this episode and his conversations with Hunter, it's very much like you hurt my feelings. You're very mean to me. That time that I was brainwashed and you just left me here, that was very mean and rude, and I'm very sad about it. And that was, uh, you know, poignant. Well, narratively, it was chaos because um, <laughs> at certain points, it's like, like, is he doing this voluntarily? When did the chip get out? Mm -hmm. Like, has well, he that's been... the other big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is he he explains that his chip is gone. 
Um, to me, it seems pretty clear that after he got burned up um, on Braca, and then, you know, he has that, like, respirator and stuff for a hot second, and then when you see him after that, he's got his new burn scar on the side of his head, which is suspiciously co-located where a lot of the chip scars tend to be. So it seems pretty clear to me that at some point when he was getting medical attention for those burns Mm -hmm. for whatever reason he decided to pull that chip i have to and that see because this like i love stars when it gets my imagination going and i love finding out that crosshairs are so so sad i've been sad before it's all right and i i'm i'm putting i'm painting this narrative in my head now already of Braca being the first time he he encounters his buddies who were so mean to him since they were so mean to him and in in the fallout of all that because it's like why didn't he did he try to get the chip out earlier or why didn't he have it taken out earlier but you have to think like he got burned in the face he saw his family who has abandoned him and so in that moment i'm thinking like crosshairs is having this conversation with himself where it's like this hurts so much this feels so bad to have these people i love abandon me maybe i really am in the wrong here and there really is something to this chip and maybe I really do need to get this chip taken out so I can like my family again and they can be nice uh, to me again. And then he gets it out and it doesn't change. And it's just like, no, this is how I feel. Well, the other thing, too, is how do you add the component of he's like, join me and we can we can do all of this. Like he still is. Well, maybe it's from his social location of, you know, he has all this power. He has you know, the ear to an admiral that trusts him um, because he also is bad. Like he is mm-hmm. a evil character that we're going to be led to believe is a good guy now. And it's not his fault whatsoever, but like, well, and that is star Wars. Well, that's, is not like, how, that's not that we're being led the opposite. We're being told the opposite now because that was always his saving grace was it's the chip. It's not under his control, but here we're finding out, he did have the chip taken out. He still feels this way. And to me, the whole him being like, join me. I mean, it's like, I, I guess the only example I can think of, and this is a generalization, but I well, it's, it's just people have told me, you know, I, I it is it is heard that like, oh, when you get older, you become more conservative. Right. Or you just you you're told these generalizations about yourself and like, what your future entails or what you are thinking or why you're thinking what you're thinking. So if you go a period of time with people that are important to you telling you, no, you only believe the things you believe because of X, right? And for him, X is that chip. And the people that are most important to him are telling him you're only believing this because of X, because of the chip. And then you, you get rid of X, you get rid of that variable and those beliefs are still there. I mean, what more effective way to really just radicalize you towards a belief system? You know, it's like, oh, I got older and I'm nothing like you said I was going to be. You were totally wrong and I'm totally right. And so I feel like in removing that chip and still feeling the way he feels, then he's definitely like, no, no, no. They were mean to me. They are wrong. You're, you guys are wrong. I have the chip out. I still feel this way. So join me. You know, I feel like that that can that experience could definitely inflame those beliefs but i think he also just still you know wants to be part of his his family there yeah i definitely agree with the latter of it's pretty clear that he has had a second agenda from rampart and it's been a while since the empire wanted to incorporate um bad batch you know clone force 99 into it mm-hmm. um and it's for me i you know I, like i said i thought it was pretty chaotic which i liked i thought that you know it's still there's a level of like um not a clear straight line in in the crosshair story um and <clears throat> we're definitely going to get more from it with you know the very apparent betrayal of the empire to crosshairs um which is the end of the episode of what the empire does to the bad batch slash Camino. So let's talk about um, Omega and the chuckle buddies. Um, 
the chill chums. Yeah, um, I really liked early on in the episode. You you kind of get the um the hierarchy of like substitute dads or whatever, and it's, it's, it seems very clear to me that oh, okay, Hunter's gone, so now Echoes Echoes Alpha Dad, <laughs> and you have like Echo and Omega talking to each other. I don't know, probably for the first time ever. That's probably not true, but you 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 definitely have Echo stepping up to the plate and kind of I don't he's know, the Godfather, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He's, he's the, the uncle. Godfather. Yeah. Unk, unk, um, unk, echo. Uncle Eck. Uncle. Unko boys. Unko, Unko. Anyway, um, this is something that's so weird with like the projection of where this, you know, is going at the end of this episode and whatever the finale is. Of Omega explains so many intricate details about Camino that, you know, people have always wanted. Like, you know, how extensive is the under the water stuff and all these things. And I feel like it would it's the exact same equivalent of if like a skyscraper is being torn down and then the owner that's tearing down the skyscraper just gives me a tour of something that's about to be disintegrated in like 30 minutes. And I'm like, why am I why am I being shown these kind of things? It just um, it's definitely they don't know that. Yeah, but we do. <laughs> when it's now. called return, yeah. Um, I mean, it was definitely very, very, very cool, and I. It, it's such a weird thing to like learn all these things and to get all this perspective on something that is going to be gone in the next like fifteen minutes. Pretty spectacularly. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. To be fair. It is only those few star destroyers. I mean, are they blown? It's are, are they blown up everything? They've just blown up that lab. I don't know. Um, pretty there, excellent there... animation on that destruction. Really well, felt like they were raining it down in a big bad way on our heroes. And when see, that I... dome crashes down in the water, very uh, very cool. I will. <clears throat> I'll have to rewatch it, but. It also seemed a little odd with how the level of destruction. I mean, clearly, you know, they turned off city defenses, blah, 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 blah. But I also kept thinking to myself, you know, how much destruction occurred in that Ventress episode where um, that's the one with Shock T in it of Clone Wars, where they invade Kamino oh, and then mm -hmm. they have to repel all those people back. Because. Um, mm -hmm. You know, some Star Destroyers, I don't think they get into the atmosphere. I think only those, like, weird sub-droids get there. Um, and those, like, shot things that allow Ventress to get onto the base. But it, it makes it... That episode makes it seem like the area is a lot more sturdy. Now, granted, you know, they've completely wiped out the Kaminoans, except for the useful ones. We don't know where the clones are. Um, I'm, I assume we'll find out where the clones are at some point. Yeah. Um... So it obviously is easier to destroy, but I was thinking about that contrast of like, you know, those episodes of Clone Wars, it seemed a lot sturdier than it is. Obviously, it's not sturdy when everything has been taken out except for, you know, some bumbling stormtroopers, Crosshair and the Bad Batch. Well, and it's older, Pete. Yeah, um, older by a, older, older by a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, like fam famously... One thing um, that is also true about the Kaminoans is when they build stuff, it ages very quickly. The clones do, and so do their buildings. Like when we went to that oh, yeah. Kaminoan water? facility. No, not the saltwater. When we went to that Kaminoan facility, that was Kamino's old planet, that like desert planet. They just they run through so much water. Uh, it looks like a ghost town. Um, and that's that was that planet was 30 years um, set before episode one. So was they no, I'm, <laughs> I'm just okay, kidding. Cool. Um, I so Josh, I was actually surprised that you have not brought up the music in this episode, which has the Kaminoan theme in oh, it. Well, so I and I the theme they play when the ship lands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and I because here's the thing with the theme, I'm not sure what that theme is because to my memory and 
honestly, please email me if I'm wrong. I love talking about this kind of stuff. That, to my mind, is like the ship descending theme. I think the first time we hear it, though I guess it could be the coming on theme. The first time we hear it is the beginning of episode two, when Padme and her, and her decoy are landing on Coruscant. Um, and then I, I think that we might hear it again at some point with Dooku's ship when the Solar Sailor's coming out, but I, I could be wrong. But no, no, I, no, no, I think you're right drop. on that. Mm-hmm. It's a great drop. It's a great theme. Yeah, that interesting. Maybe it is the Kaminoan theme, though, because, I mean, both those things have ties to the Kamino. I actually uh, like your take a little bit more because, you know, if that's the memory that jolts into your, into your head, you know, when Rose Byrne um, dies in the beginning of episode two, mm-hmm. um, and then... Um, you know, Dooku at the end after the great destruction that he's done to Anakin Obi-Wan, there's such a hopelessness. There's such a, you know, it, the music kind of magnifies the emotions that you're feeling. And me hearing that theme, I'm like, Oh, this isn't going well whatsoever. Yeah. And it, uh, I, I definitely understand, you know, they would talk about the manga clone wars specifically avoiding, the themes from the films and, and using them very, very rarely, which it seems like that mandate has been lifted. Um, I think, you know, maybe because they feel like they've proved themselves. Cause I mean, I understand like in the early days, they didn't want to use it as a crutch. I think, you know, they don't, don't just throw Imperial March in there so that people will think what's going on is cool. Um, and I think Kevin Kiner and, you know, all the, all the folks at, at Lou's animation have proved themselves to be far above needing a crutch for their storytelling. So I have really enjoyed Kevin Kiner getting to pull these little quotes here and there. Talk about last week, they pulled a little Empire theme from A New Hope that they, I don't, they use it in Rogue One too as well, actually. Michael Cicchino quotes, quotes that same theme in Rogue One. But yeah, very cool stuff. I also just, boy, I really want, um, if I ever have a theme, I hope I'm as lucky as Crosshairs that my theme is um a dinosaur a dubstep dinosaur stepping in like an angry puddle because i mean boy what a way boom what a way to set the tone what a great theme just just stomping noises just dubstep stomping noises but it works it works it doesn't feel like something crazy out of left field or whatever but it works always gets me excited every time and i don't even like dubstep i like slipknot still so um I I'm I'm looking up some background stuff for this episode and um the person that wrote this episode is Matt Michno Michnovitz 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 um who I was unaware of um but this guy wrote some of my favorite episodes of Clone Wars he wrote The Citadel Counterattack Citadel Rescue, Darkness on Umbara, the whole Umbara, Umbara oh, yeah. um, um, series, and one. he he wrote um, Fallen Order, um, the story for the Fallen Order video game. Oh, interesting. So this guy, the guy that did this, um, I think he did a really good job um, in in this in this episode. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I don't know. The show's great. The show's been great all season, but yeah, they're they're definitely. It feels big. It feels like a finale, you know. But it doesn't feel. I feel like sometimes, you know, it's like oh, they're just doing like something crazy for the finale, or, or you know, it can feel. You can feel. I don't know, too bombastic or like kind of unnaturally bombastic. Like oh well, this is the last episode of the season, so something big has to happen. But this this story has been moving to these moments uh, with an expert pace so that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like this huge swerve up in intensity, you know? Um, yeah. And I just, I thought all the stuff with Hunter and Crosshairs was solid and the animation, the music killed it. They're killing it. I mean, I, you know, I guess with Clone Wars, we knew when we covered Clone Wars, because you and I only covered the last season of Clone Wars. So going into that, we knew that that was going to be an end. Um, and I'll say, I mean, I love The Mandalorian um, and I love talking about it, but I really think I'm going to miss Bad Batch more 
while it's off air before the next season than any of the other shows we've covered with the caveat that, you know, I knew we weren't getting another season of Clone Wars, but I mean, I'm, I'm, and maybe it's because it's been a long around longer. It's been around twice as long as a season of Mandalorian. So I've really gotten used to it being there on Friday, but. Well, we also knew with resistance, we also knew with resistance that it was going to, it was canceled. It was only going the one season. Yeah, well, it's just I, you know, I I really enjoyed Resistance, but it it didn't it didn't flesh out that era in I think ways that that I had been hoping. Um, and it, I mean, I, you know, I I enjoy that show, but I just it, I'm not gonna. And to be fair, watching Resistance was pain in the butt <laughs> because Disney Plus was not around. So how many times was I was like. We were like exchanging cable provider information and crap to try and get. I don't even want to say the name of whatever the service was at that point because it was miserable. And I think that played a huge part in me being like, oh, well, I think it was good. the commercials too because the commercials. Oh, yeah, the commercials. And it was on like a Sunday, for... wasn't it? Like, mm-hmm. this is oh, just for sure. Friday. Week is over. Push go. You know, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm really going to miss this show being on. I mean, I guess, you know, you got Marvel What If to scratch the animation itch, I suppose. But that's on Wednesday. What is this Wednesday stuff? And I'm wondering if they're going to start doing this with the Star Wars shows. Because all all this Marvel stuff is Wednesdays now. Everything comes out on Wednesdays. Wednesday morning. So, like, good luck going online while you're at work and bored. You're going to get spoiled. So, I don't know. Is it like your next season Mandalorian? Is it going to be on Wednesday? And then mm-hmm. what, what, you know, my, my, my significant other is at work Wednesday night. So I just got watch it alone or I don't watch it. What the heck? This Wednesday's thing. I don't know. Um, so the thing I was going to talk about, I guess we can end on it. If you don't have anything else. No, I think I'm good. Just want to double down on. I think that the destruction at the end of this episode was super compelling. Uh, I think that this episode does a really good job and it has made me think of um you know return to camino it's having omega go through all of this want to go back they're you know going through all of these you know um trials and tribulations to fight bounty hunters to make sure she doesn't go back to this and she voluntarily does and shows you know we've seen various parts where she knows so much more than the Bad Batch about literally everything it comes to clones. Mm-hmm. They just don't know what questions to ask the situation that hasn't arisen. And I honestly like um, it's it's traumatic events in my life um, or even, you know, positive ones. You don't return to them a lot of times mm-hmm. and they do a really good job of um showing the emotion of it you know she's looking down um when she's in that tube and echo is like you okay and she gives the response that she has to give of like listen i don't i don't want to do any of this but i'm here for hunter he was here for me we've built this bond over this you know season and it's super super powerful i thought i think the job of that voice actor is um very very good Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it I mean it we've talked about it before, but it does just continually speak to the I mean, for lack of a less dumb corporate sounding word, the synergy between the animation and and the performers. I mean, Michelle Ang is obviously totally bringing it with Omega, but then it's also like there's so many like small expressions or nods of the head or wayward glances that the animation team will imbue it with. And it, I mean, it, it just feels like a full, like living individual, you know, it's, you know, in the same, I mean, we always talk about like how well Vanessa Marshall and, and Hera meshed and how that felt like just like a single seamless performance. Like the voice was coming out of that animation. And I feel like um, Michelle Ng's work in Omega is, is very similar and just so effectively blended together. But speaking to the the return of all that, it, it is kind of 
it'll be interesting to see where she's at after this because on the one hand she never wanted to go back to Camino on the other hand I don't think she ever would have been like oh yeah but the place I grew up and spent my whole life could you also explode it could you also blow it up and shoot it into the sea so there's like a a very upsetting finality to that I think I think there's always you know places we'd rather not go back to but then to have such a definitive period put on it where it's like not only are you gonna go back you can go back and then we're gonna blow it up so that's i mean maybe maybe that will prove extremely cathartic for her but i have to imagine it's more likely going to be super upsetting but luckily you know you got you got hunter back and you got backup hunter echo there so i'm sure she'll pull through well, this is going to be Echo's moment, too, because he's got that arm for a reason. So he's going to shove it into Camino, and then, boom, defenses are going. And then, all right, like, Resistance, it was this, like, platform for most of the first season. Uh-oh. Actually, it's a, it's a you know, actual um, star base that can leave Camino and go to other planets. And now the entire series is resistant part two, where they're just traveling the galaxy in this Kaminoan, you know, um, space station. Right. Right. And, but nobody can leave, but nobody wants to be there. And also they don't have a mission, but nobody can leave. And they also, in a little bit of irony, they have no water. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, yeah, so with that, um, you got any big predictions actually, for the finale? Um, no, no, I don't want, I mean, I think everybody makes it. I think Crosshairs is going to be redeemed when he shouldn't. Um, and then that's pretty much it. I mean, maybe Rex saves them and, um, it's like him and Wolf come to save them or something. Hmm, um, I do want to touch more... on your real quick. I think we have a few minutes before we're potentially cut off, but probably not because we haven't been before. But going back to whether or not crosshairs will be redeemed, I really don't believe that they will try to do it that way. I feel like they're doubling down on no, this is who he is, this is what he believes. And I think I found that pretty profound and timely because I think in recent years, a lot of us have had experiences, I mean, with, you know, we're in the U.S. in 2016 election, with all this stuff going on with COVID. I think most people in the States these days know someone that they are close to or, you know, family or a friend. And one of these hot button issues or something comes up and in your mind, you're like, well, obviously this is this is the case. You know, obviously you get vaccinated or, you know. Um, and then you, you find out that this person that in all other aspects of your life, you, you're super close with, you know, for every reason they're like, Oh no, actually the total opposite. And you're super wrong. And I believe this thing that's totally anathema to you. And I feel like that feeling of that, like, I don't know, micro betrayal or something almost. I mean, it can be so jarring to find out when someone close to you has believes different than you do and i feel like it's a feeling that is very in the air right now and i think that that bit with crosshair speaks to that in a compelling way that i i suspect that they will capitalize on rather than just being like oh, okay never mind he's good now because i mean he's not bad to him crosshair doesn't think he's bad you know there's no like you say, oh, every villain's hero of their own story. Cat Bane is not the hero of his own story. Cat Bane knows exactly who he is. I feel like Cat Bane's all, oh, I'm actually a good guy though. But I think, you know, I think Crosshair's he believes what he believes. You know, I don't think he thinks he's a bad guy. So we'll see. Um, I mean, I think he I think at at one point we're gonna find with his redemption arc next season that he recognizes the evil that he did. Maybe, but I think I, that I'd, might I'd be only shocked come if we don't after after the Empire wrongs him in a big bad way, which um, seems like is going to be right sooner rather than right. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could also see him being like, well, "Okay, but I don't like the Empire, but that doesn't mean I like whatever you you fools are doing." So we'll see. Um, I I used, Yoda, to, I, got, I used to be I used to be you. You took my spot. 
Yeah. <laughs> or actually, Mace Windu. Mace Windu's coming back. That's my prediction. And he's going to come um, back. And he's gonna be or Grogu saves him? You know. It's going to be probably Kit Fisto's cousin. Oh, please. Fit, Fit Fisto. Who Fisto? Fit Fisto. Fit Fisto. Okay. Yeah, he's a, he's a swole, not a talent. Yeah. Ooh, that would be really cool if we ever go to that planet um, where all the Kit Fistos are from. Yeah, where they taste different chemicals with their tentacles. Huh. Interesting. 5959, baby. Podcast at gmail.com. At Podcast. We won't answer, but go ahead. Uh, finale next week. Bye.